This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we preview the NCAA championships for our women's rowing team and our men's and women's track and field teams. And oh yes, we'll talk some ultimate frisbee too. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Both the men's and women's track and field teams finished third at the ECAC Division III Outdoor Championships last Wednesday and Thursday. In women's track and field, junior Jessica Wilson took advantage of ECACs as she ran a career-best 4 minutes 32.92 seconds in the 1,500-meter run to earn female Bobcat of the Week honors. More importantly, Wilson's 1,500-meter time makes her the 17th seed in this week's NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships. Joining Wilson at Nationals will be junior Allison Hill, competing in the 100-meter hurdles, senior Alexis Dickinson, competing in the 100-meter dash, and sophomore Sally Cisse, competing in the triple jump. Joined by Alexis Dickinson, Allison Hill, and Jess Wilson, talking about outdoor Nationals, all of you for the first time going to outdoor Nationals. And first of all, Alexis, I'll start with you. I know you were kind of on the borderline and so when did you find out you made it and what was your reaction? I found out Saturday morning very very early. Um, Jay actually texted me at five in the morning <laughs> and was very excited and I didn't get up until nine so she was like waiting for me to find out because she was excited for me. Um, so it was a funny way to find out but I was very excited. So you found out basically waking up to a text? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice and then what has been the training like uh, getting ready now? I mean obviously you got an already new uh, alley that you were in but what's been your training approach to get to this point? Well right now we're kind of gonna do a lot of light training so we don't want to overwork ourselves until nationals but um, it's just been a lot of doing repetitions and kind of getting the skills and the drills down is the main thing that we've been doing and just working on acceleration and just staying mentally tough in like the short races because you have to stay especially in like Alexis and I have very short races so one mistake we can really cost ourselves a race so I think that's just like getting our mindset ready for that. And then Jess obviously your race is a little bit longer mm -hmm. but you got experience running long distances with cross country and whatnot yeah. and then you've been an All-American in track before with the relay team. Mm -hmm. What's it like now being an individual going to nationals in, in an event that's it's just all about you essentially? Yeah it's pretty exciting. Um, you know going to nationals with the distance medley relay has been um, an incredible experience and has been really fun to be able to share that with people um, and so I'm definitely excited to see you know how the experience differs as an individual um, and I'm also really excited that there's three other women going because I think last outdoor I don't think any women went um, if I'm not mistaken and so it should be it should be really fun and I'm excited um, even though I am going individually to be able to share the experience with three other people. Yeah, and the fourth one I should mention, obviously, Sally Cisse in the triple jump. She's flying directly from Europe to Iowa, so she's not here for this for this interview. But um, we'll go back to you, Alexis. Obviously, um, being your being your first trip, and what does it mean to you having worked, you know, from your first year till now to, to break through in your in your last uh, quarter here at Bates? Yeah, it means a lot. I think it shows how the coaching has helped and how just trusting your training pays off. Um, I think that one race at Nezcot went really well and then I've been running pretty close to those times so I I was borderline on the list for a while but it's exciting to be able to go and represent the school. 
Yeah, and then going out to Iowa, obviously, you went out this, this winter to Iowa. I mean, I mean, it's not going to be the same environment because you'll be outdoors instead of indoors. But what was that trip like? What did you learn? Uh, I learned a lot. It was fun to go with um, a big group, the relay teams and the throwers. Uh, and I think it's just a whole, it's a different environment. It's just the best of the best coming together and just being able to experience that competition and just really living in the moment because these are what everyone works for all season. So I think just being there was what I wanted to accomplish. And getting ninth place was tough, but it was, I was also really proud of myself for PRing uh, in such like intense environment. Yeah, and then Jess, obviously the 1500, how did you get involved racing that? How long have you been racing it? Um, so I've only been racing it um, for three years um, because I went to high school in Maine, and so we only have the mile um, indoors and outdoors in Maine. Um, but I've loved the 15. It's really nice because the mile is actually slightly over 1,600 meters, which a lot of people don't realize. Um, and so, you know, those 100, um, you know, plus a few meters really makes a difference when you're running. Um, and it's just... You know, it's still painful, but it's not as painful as the mile. So it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy the 15. It's it's um, a little bit more of a sprint than the mile, which I really enjoy. Um, so it's been fun. Yeah, that's right. Three of the four women going to nationals are Mainers. Uh, how cool is that? <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. I think it's uh, especially like Allie and I have been running together since middle school, so it's cool to go together and to have another Mainer. I think it's great. The Maine running community is a cool place. 100-meter hurdles versus 60-meter hurdles, what what changes, if at all, for you? Uh, just keeping up my pace. I think, especially in the beginning of the season, it's hard to transition directly from 60-meter hurdles to 100 because there's five extra added hurdles, which is a lot. But I think now that my endurance is up and my form's getting better, just staying strong and making sure I'm getting over the hurdles, not hitting them is what I'm going to have to focus on. Are you almost happy to be running one event instead of possibly two? <laughs> yeah, that we talked about it because um, I was lower on the list in the 400 hurdles, but it was going that the 400 hurdles is going to have to be right before the day before the 100 hurdles. So I don't think even if I got in, I probably wouldn't have run it either way. So it's probably good just to focus on the 100 hurdles. I think I have a better shot at being All-American there. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, in the 100 meter dash, I mean, we talked about your breakthrough at, at NESCACs and then another really good time at ECACs, right? Well, how'd that work out for you? Yeah, I mean, I realized that this was my last, it could be my last 100. So I ran the trials first and I was like, if I don't, make finals this is my last hundred and then I made finals and knew that it could also be my last one so that really helped mentally to be excited about it. Any other thoughts on what you anticipate the experience being like here going together as a group? Um, I, I'm really excited for it I think um, especially you know going to Iowa and indoor was such an interesting experience because personally I'd never really been to the sort of Midwest before um, and so just experiencing sort of the environment and um, it was even just like a slightly different culture um, and the people were kind of different than they were in Maine so that was that was kind of cool um, we had a lot of fun in Iowa and we actually ended up staying in like this sort of bed and breakfast type place um, and spending a lot of time together so it was a lot of fun and so this experience will be slightly different um, I think there will be you know cor uh, cow poop everywhere <laughs> and I would imagine because it's like fertilizing season so it's probably going to smell a lot worse but um, you know I, I think the experience is going to be great um, and it'll be really cool to again to share it with like a bunch of um, my male and female teammates. So maybe not the purest conditions to run in? <laughs> yeah maybe not I guess I'm just I'm more excited because I know this is Alexis's last competition and I'm great that I get to share it with her so I think it's going to be a really great experience you know 
middle school, like 12 year olds, and now we're 21 and see like ending it together, holding each other's blocks, I think is something really special. Yeah, absolutely. And how about you? Have you been this far west before? I mean, I've been to the West Coast, but oh, not the Midwest, so it'll be a new experience for me, too. Do <laughs> you have thoughts on your end about this? Yeah, I'm just excited that so many women on the team got to go, and I'm excited to share the experience with them. I think it'll be a lot of fun. All right, great. Alexis, Allie, and Jess, thanks so much. And Sally, obviously, we'll be flying directly into Iowa. Thanks again. Thank you. In men's track and field, senior Alan Summerall placed third out of 18 men in the 5,000 meters moving into Bates' all-time top 10 list and earning male Bobcat of the Week honors. On Saturday, he woke up to discover he'd qualified for Nationals in the 10,000 meters. Joining Summerall at Nationals will be sophomore out of D-Ray Faccariti, who won the hammer throw at ECACs and will compete in that event along with the discus this week in Iowa. Senior Nick Margitza qualified for the NCAA championships as well in the shot put. Talking about men's track and field nationals with Adedire Fakariti and Alan Summerall, both going to nationals. And uh, D-Ray will talk a little bit for Nick Margitza, who's currently busy going into the real world. But we'll start with uh, Alan here. 10,000 meters, you didn't think you were going to get in, and then you did. So what was that moment like? Yeah, well, I'm not sure if it's I didn't think I was going to get in. I I thought I had a slight chance, but I wasn't I wasn't sure. Because they take the top 20 times. Uh, I was number 22. Uh, but then two people scratched, and I I knew that was a possibility, but I wasn't sure it would actually happen. Uh, but then I found out Saturday morning, I woke up to a text from the women's coach and from Coach Fresh. Um, that was that was how I found out on Saturday morning, and then I went and checked the entries online. Sure enough, saw my name there, very bottom of the list. That was the last one to get in. And so going into Nationals as kind of an underdog, if you will, I guess, because based on your times this year, uh, that's a fair statement. So what's your mentality like right now um, preparing for this? I mean, I'm, I'm basically just pleased to go because, um, like, I, I wasn't sure I was, I was going to get in, so I thought there was a chance my season was going to be over with ECACs last week. Um, so right now I'm just pleased to go. I already have the All-American from, from cross-country at this point. I would just be getting a second one, which is, of course, amazing, but it's, it's not like this would be my only chance to get one. Um, but, I mean, I do have the, the slowest seed time in the field, so I have the slowest PR of all the guys, but I'm, I'm not sure I'm an underdog. I, I know I don't have a chance to win because there's, there's the, the D3 record holder from uh, Wisconsin uh, Platteville, I think. Ian Lemire, seed time of 28:38, um, set that at Stanford, which is the fastest time in D3 history. And then I'm I'm at the the back of the field, exactly two minutes behind the D3 record holder at 30:38. But I've I've beaten several members of the field before. Um, so yeah, I do have the slowest seed time in the field, but that was on a race that I thought I, I could have done a lot better. Um, it was, I mean, that. The seed time that I ran was down at Princeton uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was high 60s and 100% humidity when we raced, so it was it made for a tough day all around. Um, most people in the in the field had a had a tough race that day, and that that was my seed time. So I was I was hoping to run um, 20 to 30, maybe 40 seconds faster than I did that day, but that that still let me into to qualify so I mean yeah I I do have the slowest seed time in the field but I'm not I'm not sure I will be the last one finishing on on Thursday 
Fair enough, absolutely. And then D-Ray, you were the um, hammer throw champion there at ECACs, and so you told me the week before you'd figure something out. Apparently it worked, right? Yeah, um, we had a nice technical breakthrough in practice. Nick, uh, he, I don't know, it, it was it was weird. He just told me that, like, you know, take it easy, build on your turns and whatnot, and sure enough, uh, that's the fix I needed to make along with catching the ball a little early. That coach had been uh, pounding my head all season, and it kind of came together. It's still not perfect, but it did the job that day, which is pretty exciting. And then you're competing in two events at Nationals. And so what's the schedule looking like for you? Are they going to be on the same day, different days? No, they're all different days. Yeah. On Thursday, I'm throwing discus. Um, and then on um, on Saturday, I'm throwing hammer. So it's, it's two chances. Two chances come back with hardware. So I'm, I'm hoping to be nice and relaxed. And, I mean, since we're getting down there um, tomorrow, I hope to clear my mind by Wednesday midday to kind of accept that it's just another meet so I don't choke. So I, I, I really hope that, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm sure with Nick and Alan here, we're definitely going to be able to be a good support group for one, one another to kind of like clear our minds and like be relaxed. Because at the end of the day, that's all it takes to, to kind of do something big, to be relaxed and not overcomplicate what we need to do, which is just execute. And Nick couldn't join us for this, but I know you're pretty, you're pretty close with him, so you can probably speak for him. What, what's his mentality like right now based on your conversations? I mean, based on my conversation, Nick's going to go out there and compete. Um, week after week, he's been getting better and better in terms of, like, utilizing the most out of the prelims. Um, so in nationals, we come in with the mentality that we only have three throws. I mean, in other meets, we have six, but here there's only three throws. So he's going to try to put out a big throw his first one and keep building on and just make it to make it to finals and just beat one person. And, and um, if there's anyone I'm more confident that can do that, it's definitely Nick. And he, he um, last meet, boy, he had some really, really far throws uh, that he barely fouled. So mm. I'm hoping to see those um, throws get saved and for him to do something. Um, I mean, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for him because I think he could do something huge out there. Yeah, and Alan, what's it like to go to Nationals with these – or what do you think it will be like to go to Nationals with these two throwers? Uh, I think it will be fun. Um, <laughs> um, I've, I traveled to cross-country Nationals alone with, with Coach Fresh. Um, so this, is, this is my first time going to Nationals with the group, so I'm, I'm really excited. I think it will be fun. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, D-Ray, I mean, you mentioned the throwing and the fouls that were just barely fouls for yeah. Nick. And so that's one of the challenges of throwing, isn't it? Because you can have a great throw, but you're just barely on the line. Nick it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It's so, so, I mean, he, he had a pretty good practice today. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's working out um, how to have that same aggressiveness and be as long as possible, like use as much of the circle while at the same time saving the throw. So. Yeah, he's he, he's definitely tuning up for a nice big one, and uh, I I'll, I can't wait to cheer him on on Friday and see him pop it. At what point in a 10K, I mean, you're trying to run with everyone else to keep a good pace going, but what point do you try to create at least some separation from some of the runners? At least? I mean, it, it really just depends on the field um, and how you're feeling and what, what the pace is like because the 10K is, is a weird event where you <laughs> – you basically shouldn't be hurting. You shouldn't be like really tired. You shouldn't be feeling the aerobic tightness in your chest until maybe a mile to go. So the first five miles and five miles in a bit, hopefully you're pretty, you're pretty calm. You're pretty uh, composed. You're conscientious of your pace. You know how fast you're going. You're paying really close attention to what's happening in the race. You're paying really close attention to how you feel. Because if you go out too hard over the first 5K, then you can have a really tough and really <laughs> unfortunate time during the second 5K. Um, so it's all about um, hearing your splits, knowing what kind of time you want to hit, um, knowing what time approximately you're capable of in the race based on workouts, based on fitness, based on past times. 
Um, so in every 10K that I've run, I've gone in with approximately a goal time plus or minus 20 seconds that I, I'm, I'm usually able to hit pretty closely. Um, and then I have probably a goal 5K time, um, so I can I can see my 5K split halfway, and I know okay that was that was what I wanted to hit, or I'm five seconds behind, or I'm five seconds ahead, or whatever. Um, so now I need to work up in the pack, or the guys I'm I'm running with aren't gonna go with me if I speed up over the second 5K. I'm gonna try to catch the pack up in front of me. There are a lot of decisions yeah. to make in the in the middle of the 10K because it's a half an hour race. So. <laughs> right, right. Alan, any other thoughts on uh, going to nationals here for your final meet as a collegiate athlete? This is my, my final meet as a, as a Bates athlete, final meet as a Division three athlete, actually. But I'm uh, next year I'm doing a combined uh, JD, PhD program at University of Texas at Austin. So I actually I, I, uh, coordinated with the coach there. I should be running for them at UT Austin on the Texas track and cross-country teams for a year next year while I'm there so hopefully I'll get my summer training information pretty soon and hopefully we can make it to D1 Nationals next year but that's a totally different ball game um, worry about that later um, but yeah I mean this is this is my final meet as a like wearing a Bates jersey and um, I mean wearing the Bates jersey was the first time I had ever actually competed for a track team so it, it definitely has a an element of um, kind of sad finality to it because I like I like I've uh, said before, I didn't I didn't come into college expecting to be a, a uh, college athlete, and uh, track and field and cross country here has done so much for me. Um, and running has since become a really big part of my life. I hope to do it not not just at Texas next year, but in the future, hopefully 10, 15 years down down the line, I'll still be a slightly above average marathoner or something when I'm 35, doing doing whatever <laughs> I'm doing. Um, so I mean, it's. It's it, it's sad that this is my last meet running for Bates, but I I just hope to make it hurt and have some fun. Well, that is breaking news then on the Bobcast that Alan Sumrall will be becoming a Division One cross country runner next year. That's pretty cool. I think Nick Margitza just arrived. Oh you want to join the roundtable? D-Ray was speaking for you earlier, but uh, I'll ask you yourself. I mean, going to the going to nationals in the shot put outdoors for your final collegiate meet. I mean, was it what was was it mean to you? You you were safe pretty much the whole year, but now the reality of actually going. Uh, to end my career wearing the uh, Nationals Blacks has been something I've been looking forward to my whole time at Bates, and I'm very excited to go down with two uh, really competitive guys, and uh, they really personify what this team's all about and um, the, uh, the determination and commitment that it takes to get to this level. From the shot put perspective, have you heard from any of the alums here uh, recently? Uh, yeah, I've been chatting with uh, a few guys over the past few weeks about how I should close up my training and they're all obviously very supportive and uh, you know they they can remember back to when they were in the same position and it means a lot to them and it means a lot to me and the guys. D-Ray what are you doing there? I'm just snapchatting okay. this whole <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're the You're the only underclassman going among the men's team at least yeah. so what are you looking to these guys for uh, in terms of you know someone to follow perhaps? Well I mean these are great leaders right here. Alan he personifies someone who does everything um, that he needs to do to put himself in the best position. I remember for the past, uh, let me say, two months driving past uh, his house and seeing him finishing up his workout stretching. I mean, 
I have to shake his hand for that. <laughs> and obviously Nick showing me what it what it takes to get to the position I am. Um, I still remember vividly last year at the end of the year, I was a national, I mean, uh, ECACs, and then we came back on the bus ride, and Nick looks at me in the face of the bus. He's like, who's going to come back the biggest, the strongest, and the best in shape? And honestly, like thinking about that every day during the summer has got me to where I got today. And uh, like Nick always says, when he enters the circle, he thinks of all the past guys who's thrown, and they're just cheering him on, you know. So it's a, it's a huge tradition here at Bates, not only for the throws, but for all of our um, the track athletes. The NCAA championships for both track and field teams get started this Thursday and run through Saturday in Waverly, Iowa. Speaking of NCAA championships, the women's rowing team looks to win another national title this weekend. Joined by Coach Peter Steenstra to preview the NCAA women's rowing championships coming up this Friday and Saturday out in California. And same side as last year when the team won their first national title. Any sort of advantage to go back to that same exact location this year? Well, it's California, and everyone <laughs> likes California. It, it's a beautiful race course. It is really great conditions almost every time we've ever been. Uh, very fair, which is good uh, for everyone involved. And and uh, really, there isn't a better racing venue that I know of. So excellent conditions now. ECAC's uh, first varsity eight finished second to Williams. Obviously, that's something we're looking out for. Williams, one of the top teams, just like Bates. And so what did you see in that event? Was the weather a little different, or how did that uh, turn out for Bates? No, it wasn't that, that the weather was different. We we always have the big picture in mind, which is a national championship. We want to we use every opportunity we have to learn as much as we can learn, and that includes regattas along with race uh, practices. So when we went to the New Englands and we won that race uh, in the Varsity 8, we had an opportunity to go uh, again eight days later, race the same group of schools as well as a few additional. And, um, and so we can kind of use that as a comparison to ourselves. You know, what can we get better in this week? What can we do with a different lineup change? We had a different lineup uh, going into that. Uh, it's actually the National Invite is what that's called. So we went into the invite with um, a different lineup that wasn't quite as crisp and clean. And even though the boat still went fast and they still were, you know, top notch, um, we think that the new lineup or the original lineup, I should say, which is now what we're back into again, is a much better lineup. Gotcha. So going back to the original lineup, and that's something you learned. And so what's been the focus and practice between events now leading up to nationals? Our focus has been uh, sharpening. You know, there's not a lot that you can do. You can't do just hard work and expect to get faster through um, wearing out the crew. It's all about refinement. So taking the, the last couple weeks, and we did some, some solid work in the first uh, week, um, and then we started to just refine only, you know, which is a lot of drill work, a lot of high-speed work, um, just getting the blade work very sharp, very precise, and then also finalizing the lineup for sure, being very happy with the lineup the way it is. Um, and of course, we were throwing a bit of a wrinkle at the end because someone who was not cleared to row is now cleared to row. So she gets back into the mix and and uh, both of the boats gets fa get faster again. Oh, so that's a good wrinkle then. <laughs> this is a, ver a very good wrinkle, absolutely. But it's still, it, it's something that you still have to work through. The crew itself has to work through because Everyone needs to be comfortable with this. They've been working hard toward uh, creating the, the most speed out of the crew that they had. And then you bring someone back in who's uh, getting, you know, coming off of the not cleared list. And um, we have to be able to 
to put that together and, and make sure everyone's happy with it. Excellent. And then, you know, this environment at nationals, um, some of these rowers have not been before. Uh, some have, obviously. What do you what do you tell the rowers who have not been before what to expect to see and everything? Well, to be honest, it, it it's <laughs> the oddest part about going to this regatta is that there's so few of us. It, we are traveling with 21 athletes. And for a team of 70, it's strange to go someplace and just have 21 people, mm. just have two boats racing. And even the coaches kind of end up twiddling their thumbs because there's just not that much to do. <laughs> Um, so I guess one thing we do talk about with the athletes is to be prepared to have some downtime. You know, it's not quite as hectic. It's um, it's such a well-run regatta, and, and um, you know, things are smooth, and, you know, it's easy to, to know where to be and when. And, and uh, in a way, you, you kind of get lost in how easy the whole thing seems to be because you're not pressed for time every, everywhere you go. Um, and on top of that, it's it's – a great experience for them to see what a division one athlete looks mm -hmm. like and how big they are, how strong they are and, and realize that they're not that different from them uh, aside from the fact that many of them are from another country or have been rowing since they were 12 years old or are, are six foot four, <laughs> you know, that's the only real difference would, would be that kind of stuff. Right. And then, cause obviously all the divisions are competing at this uh, particular regatta uh, in their national events and whatnot. So, other question I guess I have for you is you have this you, you you fly out Tuesday and you don't compete until Friday. The water is open for practice Wednesday and Thursday. So how do you balance that in terms of practice time to prepare but not be tired by the time the races matter? Yeah, we yeah, we watch them closely. We just get them on the wa water to keep them fresh. They do have to adjust to the time change because mm -hmm. it's a it's quite a big trip to go across the country and then be able to perform and you know, you know, long flights just are harder on your body than you might realize. But for the same reason that after a long bus ride, you want to get your body active just so that you can loosen up your muscles a little bit. And that's what we'll do. We'll, we'll go Wednesday afternoon for a little row and Thursday morning go for a little row. And we have the option of going again Thursday afternoon, but we may or may not do that. A lot depends on the weather and it depends on if we feel the crews are just dialed in and ready. And if they're ready, we'll probably go watch a movie instead <laughs> actually excellent so yeah the theme is is kind of like pacing yourself um through this week essentially right yeah absolutely because we don't sometimes if you just keep practicing all you're doing is is getting their anxiety levels up <laughs> with when really they're ready to go so yeah. they're ready to race now they could race today um but we want to rest them for one thing but we also want to keep them sharp one thing that was really impressive for me at the regatta I went to this year, the President's Cup, was how many of the families were there and whatnot, expecting a big uh, contingent again to support the Bobcats. I think so. We've got six seniors on the trip, and we've got some West Coast families out there. So I, we're going to see a lot of alums as well. Um, but I don't know any sort of exact <laughs> number, but we definitely have a good fan base that's willing to travel. Excellent. Is any other thoughts on uh, the – the attempt here to defend a national title, because obviously last year was historic. It was the first team title ever for Bates. And what are your thoughts just kind of going in to attempt to defend said title? Well, we, we've talked about this all year, really. It's in, uh, I'm not sure if we discussed it or not but uh, with you, but uh, we don't see it as us defending a title. Okay. It's, it's not, uh, this is not king of the hill. We're not standing on the top <laughs> and beating away challengers. We are at the end of, of last year, we had this great victory. We were very happy with it, and uh, we knew that we could do more. Um, 
with these results and we wanted to to sort of take that trophy we put on the shelf and we go back down to the bottom of the hill and start to climb all over again so we don't see this as a defense of last year this is a whole new year whole different crews and uh and they want it just as badly all right, Peter Steenstra, thanks so much for joining us to preview a rowing nationals coming up this Friday and Saturday in Gold River, California. Thanks a lot. The Bobcast is headed to California with the women's rowing team, so tune in next week for complete coverage of the NCAA Rowing Championships. Bates men's lacrosse head coach Peter Lasagna will have the opportunity to coach senior All-American Jack Allard a final time as Allard has been invited to play in the 75th annual USILA North-South Senior All-Star Game. The All-Star Game will be played at the Edith Robb Dixon Field on the campus of Cabrini College in Radnor, Pennsylvania this Friday. Game time is 3 p.m. If you're somebody who is a lacrosse lifer as I am, this is one of the most, I mean, this is a pinnacle. This is one of the most important moments. So it's an honor to be, uh, obviously, to be asked to coach it. And uh, it's an honor to get to coach a lot of the best seniors in the country. Um, in 1997, I was fortunate in that uh, I got to coach three of my own players, so that's sort of what I remember best about it, uh, and we won. Nice. And then what did you find out you're going to be coaching this year? Uh, right after, literally maybe the day after I found out that we did not get into the NCAA tournament. So uh, clearly not the way um, that we were hoping to get to Philadelphia, but in terms of good medicine, good medicine. And then, Jack, obviously as a senior, uh, you're representing Bates here at this All-Star game, and when did you find out, and what was your reaction? Uh, yeah, so I, I found out um... – I think about last week, uh, I got a text from Coach saying, um, hey, I just want to ask you, formally ask you if you can play in the North-South All-Star game. And I was like, absolutely. And I instantly said, yes, I know it's such a great honor, and only a few other Bates people have done it in the past. So um, I, I knew I really wanted to represent our team and represent the North as a whole. And then what's the selection process like for the players? Do you have input over that, or how does that work? I do. It's, it's actually um, – a very interesting uh, process, fraught with some stress, quite honestly, I think from all over, simply because think about the timing. Um, it They start to really get it rolling right as the NCAA tournament, league tournaments and NCAA tournaments are starting up. And so I get a list of all the players, and it's broken down by the number of votes that they got. It's very straightforward, very scientific, but the protocol is that... You know, if there are 15 attackmen that that got north-south worthy votes, um, I can't make a decision on attackman number three until I know what number one and number two want to do. So you start making phone calls. Again, obviously the teams with the best seniors are probably, many of them are in the NCAA tournament. And so I have to start this conversation saying, hey, I know you play your first NCAA tournament game tomorrow, and I know that you're intending on winning and winning straight on through, but just in case you lose at some point, would you like to play the North-South game? So it's a, it's a process of a lot of those phone calls and, and texts and emails um, until you get your roster. And then for you, Jack, obviously, I mean, the disappointment of not being selected for the tournament, you're thinking, oh, that's my last lacrosse game now. Then you find out it's not going to be your last lacrosse game. So what was that like for you to know you'll be playing one more game here? Absolutely. That was something I talked to Coach about when he asked me to play in the game, um, that he gets one more chance to coach me and I get one more chance to play another game with him. So I'm really excited about that, and I just want to keep playing lacrosse. Sure, absolutely. And then, I mean, do you guys get any practice time or anything or no? 
I don't think there's no practice time beforehand, but I, I, my mom thought that there was. She's like, "Oh, you have to go down the day before for the practice." And I'm like, "No, mom, I'm pretty sure you just go out and play because <laughs> we're all we're all good enough that we can probably pick up um, from each other." So I'm excited to play with these other guys. You you never played with these guys before. Maybe you've seen them play, but you haven't played with them. So how what did the athletic experience like? You show up and play lacrosse. Yeah, I th- I think that because we're this is going to be such a high level game, um, you can, you can kind of feed off of each other, and I I know that. Um, there are a couple other guys from the NESCAC that I've seen play that I, I feel like I would probably gel with, so I'm, I'm looking forward to playing with some of those guys. And then, yeah, from a coaching perspective, how do you approach this? No practice time at all. You show up to the field, and you have all these guys, and you have one who you coached before. Well, it's probably a, a player's dream, <laughs> I would imagine, in that you get this nice contact that you've been selected to play in this really prestigious game. As Jack said, you know you're going to be surrounded by phenomenal players, and... Uh, they don't have to practice. Um, so from my standpoint, it's really just, it's really fun to think about, and Jack and I have already been talking about it in sort of, obviously I'm, I'm hyper aware of what people I think he might play well with because I want him to have a chance to have a lot of success. Um, but for me, just to be able to mix and match these combinations and think about, ooh, you know, what would it be like to see this guy from Amherst and this guy from Bates and this guy from Wesleyan play together? And we have a couple teammates, um, two guys from Nazareth, uh, a couple of people from RPI, you know, a bunch of the Amherst guys. So the, the other concept as well, you know, obviously if I can put people together who already know how to play well together, I would think that will that will help us. So, uh, I mean, it's just, again, it's a, it's a lacrosse junkie's dream, whether you're a coach or a player. Sure, absolutely. And then, Jack, I got to ask you, after this game, what's next on your plans right now? Uh, yeah, I've talked to Coach uh, about this a lot for, for future lacrosse. Um, I'm going to start sending out some emails to, to semi-pro and, and professional teams, and I, I believe that uh, they have tryouts later in the year, so not this coming season, but there's other ones. So I'm trying to get myself in, in on some of those, um, and I just want to keep training and keep playing uh, either in pickup leagues or, if, if I can, at the professional level, I'm going to d- attempt to do that. Okay, excellent. So you're definitely pursuing lacrosse um, possibly as uh, at least for a few years here now. Definitely, I'm going to attempt to, for sure. And uh, you know all about you know guys playing at the next level. What does he have to do to succeed maybe at a semi-pro or possibly professional level? He's just got to pry open a door. I mean, I, he actually, uh, you know, it's there are a lot more Division One. Um, I don't know actually what the numbers are for Division Two, but certainly there are a lot more Division One people uh, represented in the pro indoor and outdoor league, and, and that makes sense. Um, but there are, including one of Jack's teammates on Friday, uh, the long pole Matt Hasek uh, from RIT, is in the pro league right now. Um, so the possibilities are there. And, and there are other, actually, Division Three attackmen who uh, have played really well. So I just think a lot of it, you know, is Jack. I mean, there, there are plenty of people, certainly the, the guys that are associated with the Cannons are the former Endicott coach and the current Wenick coach. Um, so they know Jack. And, uh, you know, but it also has to do with where is he going to be employed? Where is he going to be living? Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's he's done a great job. He's prepared a, a, a little highlight tape. Um, so for those that weren't already familiar with his fine body of work, uh, they get a nice little uh, couple minute summation of it. And, uh, you know, again, I, I think once people get an opportunity to, to see him play and give him a shot, excuse me, he's going to be somebody who does well because pretty much any lacrosse game that, that Jack has played in the last four years, he's going to score three or four goals, no matter, on a, on, a, on a bad day. So you need shooters at every level of the game. You need shooters and finishers at the next level, and, and Jack's always been comfortable having that ball in his stick and making a play, so I hope like hell he gets an opportunity. The club sports scene continues to thrive at Bates. The women's club ultimate Frisbee team, known as Cold Front, went to Nationals for the first time in team history this past weekend. They finished in a tie for 7th in the nation, going 3-0 in pool play, 
before losing to eventual national champion Carleton College Eclipse in the quarterfinals and dropping a fifth-place game to top-seeded Williams. Cold Front's 3-2 record at their first nationals left them with no regrets. Talking women's ultimate frisbee here on the Bobcast with captains Josie Gillette and Ruthie Baker coming back from nationals. First of all, the first day you get there, it's super muddy, but you go 3-0 in pool play. That's a lot of games and a lot of mud. What was that like? Um, it was super fun. We uh, had a great first game against Luther in the morning. They were really tall um, and fast and had great throws and catches. And so watching their warm-ups, we knew we had to turn it on immediately. And we, we matched their intensity and used our quickness and uh, had a very spirited and fun game against them. Um, and our second game went well, and we finished really strong against uh, Truman State, also another really intense but also spirited game. Um, the mud made uh, every play so much more fun. People were laying out all over the field, and it was awesome to see people putting their bodies on the line and having a great time against their opponents. And the atmosphere in general, what was it like? Uh, being at Nationals was something totally different than any other tournament. There were just so many teams there, and everyone was so incredibly excited to be there. Um, the sidelines had more energy than I've ever seen sidelines have in the past. There were a ton of fans, which doesn't always happen at Frisbee tournaments, so it was it was pretty exciting. And then, uh, Josie, from, from your perspective, obviously, um, you know, leading, leading the team like you did with all those assists, uh, what allows you to be such a good distributor out there? Um, I think actually more impressive than my number of assists is like the distribution of our goals on our team. Uh, if you look at our stats, we have a really wide spread of people scoring um, in the like five to eight goal range. We have a lot of girls in that in that category, and I think that just means that um, people are finding the right space. And I have the throws to execute that. But as a team, it's like very much I can't I can't score on my own, obviously. And so every Every point is important, and being able to connect with so many people is, I think, a good reflection of our team chemistry. And you mentioned all the fans that were there. Um, it's interesting. I, watching Ultimate Frisbee this year, it seems like you have such a large following. Where did this come from? Uh, that's really new for us, actually, at Bates, at least. Um, I think we've kind of flown under the radar for a long time in terms of at least uh, like student and faculty, not necessarily support, but just even knowing who we are and that we exist. Um, and so going to tournaments like that where everyone there knows what Ultimate Frisbee is and knows what it's all about um, is just kind of a more fun environment for people to be supportive of the sport that's kind of up and coming that not a lot of people know um, what it's all about. Then talking about day two, obviously a, a tough one. You're going up against Carleton College, one of, their, one of their teams. They have multiple teams, I guess. And this is their Eclipse team, and they end up winning it all. And but you at such a back-and-forth battle to describe that game. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, reflecting on it, I feel like I have pretty few regrets on a personal and a team scale. I think it was a very evenly matched game, really well played on both sides, um, and a ton of spirit. And, like, both teams deserved to win that game, and one team uh, had to come out victorious. And I think, obviously, we were upset about that. But in the grand scheme of things, if you lose to a team by one point, the best case scenario is for them to win the tournament by one point. So <laughs> I think that that game definitely proved that we are, were definitely contenders at this tournament. And it was a bummer that that was our uh, first game in the morning. But still, I think a lot of great things happened in that game from our team and from their team. And I think it was uh, well fought on both ends. Did it change the dynamic at all that they had played a game already that day? Yeah, I mean, I think that at least for us, it, a lot of time it 
a lot of the time it takes some time for us to get our flow going. So we'll play the first half of a game and not re really be able to um, figure out exactly where to throw the disc or where to cut. And it takes us some time to really get warmed up. Um, and so for them to be able to have played one game already, I think maybe put them at a little bit of an advantage um, because they had been able to find that already in the day. They had won their first game, they were coming out on a high, and we were just getting there and just having warmed up. Um, but I think it was like the best game of Frisbee that I've ever played in in my life in terms of um, like my emotional input and both teams' emotional input as well as like the skill that was, that was put on the field. So it was, a it was a really good game. We've talked about how there's so many seniors on this team, and now you as a first-year Josie, next year you'll be responsible for being one of the captains to recruit some more players to the team. How, how's that process going to go? How, what have seniors told you about how that works? Yeah, I think that like has been something I've been thinking a lot about. Um, we're losing a lot of our really important players, and also all of our sophomores are going abroad next spring. So we're going to be uh, gaining three juniors who are abroad this year, but that's a pretty small returning class of – uh, five or six freshmen and three uh, three or four juniors. So I think it's definitely going to be huge to recruit not only new freshmen, but also um, sophomores and juniors who are um, athletes who are trying to try something new. I think that's going to be definitely a big part of our uh, team next year. And then, Ruthie, as a senior, what was the atmosphere like among the seniors on the flight back? Uh, the flight back, we were all pretty tired, but uh, I think the most emotional part of the day was, was the end of the game against Carlton. Um, because that was kind of the make it or break it game. Um, and at least for me, that was kind of, that was the real heartbreak there. But we were also all incredibly proud of what we had put on the field. And I really don't think that anyone had major regrets from that game. We really did uh, put in our all, so. All right, great. Well, congratulations again on the great season. Josie and, and Ruthie, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll tell you how Ben Rosen does at the NCAA Men's Tennis Singles Championships. We'll also let you know if any of our track and field athletes become outdoor All-Americans. And of course, we'll have complete coverage of the NCAA Rowing National Championships. Can the Bobcats win it all again? Find out next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, my